Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Man, this was one of those episodes where you step back and you just say, wow, that's uh, that was kind of a mind-blowing one. I, I need to re-listen to this one, to be honest with you. Um, I got to chat with Jim Britt. Um, who has, uh, you know, he's written 15 best-selling books. He's, uh, it's, it's not hard to find him if you just Google his name. Um, he's, uh, he drops a lot of knowledge in this one. We talk about the six steps and the six, I guess, traits, I would say, um, that define successful people. So the six things that you need to do to achieve really any goal. We, we talk about money and wealth, but, but it really applies to anything in life, whether you're trying to lose weight, um, you know, get out of an unhealthy relationship like he talks about. Um, but we dive into his backstory quite a bit here. Um, we talk about how he grew up in pretty much extreme poverty. I shouldn't say pretty much. It was extreme poverty, no running water, no electricity. Um, they picked cotton as, as a kid he did and, um, didn't make much money. Um, and then found himself married with two kids and was, had been foreclosed on and was getting evicted, um, lost both of his vehicles, all of his furniture, lost everything. And you'll have to wait to find out how he turned it around. It's pretty, pretty amazing. So within two years, probably one to two years, it sounds like he became a millionaire. So was entirely broke and made his first million within one to two years of, of hitting rock bottom. Um, he's a thinker. Jim is a thinker. And this is a, you know, it's a very kind of cerebral and philosophical, but yet still very practical episode. Um, it, it's a great one. It, it, you know, it's certainly great for entrepreneurs and business people and anyone who's interested in building wealth, but the principles apply to anyone who's trying to be the best version of themselves. Investors, have you ever experienced challenging communication or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and I'm thrilled today to have with us Jim Britt. Uh, Jim is the founder of Cracking the Rich Code, among 
other businesses and and offerings. Jim, how are you doing today? Good, Jamie. How are you? I'm doing for I'm doing just fine. Um, you're uh, are you joining us from California? Is that where you are? I am. I'm in Northern California, between Sacramento and Lake Tahoe in the foothills. Oh, nice! Sounds wonderful. Yeah. Um, I know California is huge, but I heard that it uh, the the weather was a little cooler recently than than uh, you all are used to. Is that, is yeah, that true? Yeah. Well, it's up. It, it's uh, we went from uh, winter to summer. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> didn't have it, spring, so we're like right. eighty-seven today. So it's uh, it's pretty nice. Gotcha. So, Jim, for our listener out there who's unfamiliar with you, um, tell us who you are today and what you're up to today. Well, I've I've been a professional speaker for 44 years. Uh, I've also been coaching for about 40 years before the word coach was even used in mm. business. Um, and my speaking has taken me all over the world. I've presented over 5,000 events in uh, about 30 countries. Um and, you know, what I focus on primarily today, even though I, I do a lot of different things, but it kind of brings me back to this, is something I discovered about 35 years ago that we all have uh, we all have a core belief about ourselves uh, that acts as an anchor that keeps us stuck. Mm-hmm. And now sometimes we have a core belief that moves us forward as well. But mm-hmm. what I look at is the ones that keep us keep us stuck. And. The problem with it is, is people don't know that they have it. So what I do is help people to uncover that belief and how to take the emotional attachment off of it. So it becomes more like a file on your hard drive versus in your face every day. Hmm. That's interesting. That's, that's, uh, I think we're going to unpack that a little bit more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, just to, before we jump back into your backstory, how Touch touch on kind of how you came to that conclusion. I mean, was this from your own entrepreneurial experience, or more working with other other business owners, or how have you come to? No, to I tell you how this? I came. It was about thirty five years ago, and I had just finished presenting a, a two day seminar for entrepreneurs at about a thousand people in the class, and and if I remember right, they spent about fifteen hundred dollars to be there, plus their expenses. Some came in international and across country. So probably spent $2,500 to to attend. And about a week later, I was kind of contemplating the the event, reading some of the evaluations, just kind of hanging out by the pool. And mm-hmm. and suddenly the the old 80-20 rule kind of popped in my mm-hmm. head. You know, mm-hmm. 20% the, of the yeah. people do 80% of the production, that type of thing. Sure. And And I thought, why is that? How come people don't follow through with what they say they're going to do? You know, somebody goes and gets a real estate license and spends months studying, gets their mm-hmm. license, finds a broker, gets a desk and a phone and <laughs> never do anything. Sure. And it, it was always kind of a mystery to me. And that day I really started thinking about it. And, I, and then suddenly it hit me. I thought, well, wait a minute. If that's really true, then I just had a thousand people go through an event and 800 of them aren't going to follow through. Hmm. And I thought, Wow. I mean, it really hit me. I mean, it, yeah. it actually bothered me. And I thought, well, is it something I'm doing? And I mm-hmm. thought, no, I just read through most of the evaluations. All of them were raving reviews. Mm. And right. I thought, well, we're all humans, but we're all different in some way. What what makes us different? And I thought, well, it, it's it's the programming that we have. Mm. It's mm-hmm. where it starts. I mean, our, t- our parents teach us to walk and talk and maybe sure. say our ABCs and our, our numbers and Teach us yeah. how to swim so we won't drown. Teach us to keep our hand out of fire and how to ride a bicycle and so on. And and we develop our own habit patterns as we go. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they're so some of them are so sub, subtle that they become second nature to us. And we probably mm-hmm. have hundreds of them that you don't even think about. You know, you get up in the morning and you, know, you put on a pair of pants. Mm-hmm. Which leg That's goes right. in first? <laughs> Right. Always the same one, I guarantee it. Yeah, yeah. And if you it try the left. other way, it's uncomfortable. <laughs> so, and you know, we have those habits, just like driving a car or walking or talking or any of those things. Once we learn it, we don't have to, we don't have to think that, okay, I've got these pants. Now, how do I get them on? Or I get my car. How do I drive this thing? So sure. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Those habit patterns must be stored right at the surface of your subconscious because you don't have to think about them to access them. Then I thought, Next moment, I'm thinking, well, 
how about how about our past? That's what brought us where we are today. I'm thinking, sure. well, if you know, if you believe in the law of cause and effect, we cause the effect that we're living based upon our actions we've taken. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, how do you remember that past? And I thought, well, you don't really remember all of it. You remember the beautiful things that's happened, the highlights, you know, maybe a vacation you took or when you had your first date or a child was born or you had your first kiss or you got your driver's license. You know, those mm-hmm. type of things we never forget. Sure. And I thought, well, that's pretty cool. Those must be stored right below those habit patterns where you could still access mm-hmm. them pretty quickly. Okay. Then the next moment, though, changed everything for me. It's where the discovery took place. I thought, well, wait a minute. We're not, we don't just have beautiful experiences. We have negative experiences. True. And sometimes, you know, some people go through through some pretty traumatic things. Absolutely. You know, I talked to somebody just a while back that they had to, they had to leave the country that they're they're in. Everything Mm -hmm. got taken from them. A whole Mm -hmm. family had to leave with nothing and they were very wealthy. Mm -hmm. And, and, and they lived in a one bedroom apartment with six kids for like two years. And uh, here in the U S and, you know, some people go through stuff. Sure. Yeah. You get, some people get abused verbally, physically, sexually, you know, it's all kinds of things that happen, but a lot of it's subtle too. You know, we get programmed and, and we develop these beliefs. Let's say for instance, your, your parents were fighting. Maybe they yeah. do it a lot. And you as a child, you hear your name brought up mm-hmm. during the argument. Sure. Later, the parents get a divorce. Now the child blames themselves for yeah. the divorce. Sure. And yeah. they grow up in conflict in the relationship later on and don't know why. Because they've got that anchor program. Sure. And the big thing is they don't know they have it. Mm, gotcha. They so know you, they have the problem. They know they yeah. know they're in their fifth abusive relationship or mm. or their struggle, they've struggled financially all their lives. They they understand they have the problem. They're looking right. outside themselves for the solution. And the mm. solution is inside. I so I it. took it upon myself to develop. Well, first to, to develop a way to help people discover what that core belief system is. And secondly, how to take the emotional attachment off of it. So it becomes like one of those files on your hard drive. It's mm. not in your face every day. Interesting. So that's okay. how I discovered it. And I've been yeah. applying that for 35 years. And I mean, it's amazing work with people because I've helped people lose weight. I've helped people, hundreds of women get out of abusive relationships, uh, Mm. help people get back on track financially, uh, because a lot of it is right up here. Most all of it's right up here. in fact. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask you, we can dive into it later, but you're, you're the, I guess the avatar, the profile of the person you you work with, your client, is it? It sounds like it varies quite a bit because these these principles apply to almost all of us. Everybody. Okay. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, let's get let's put you know press pause on on that, and we'll come back to that. <laughs> okay. um, but uh, no, I'm fascinated by it. I I can't wait to get back to that subject. Um, let's jump back into your backstory again. And, and I know right before we hit record, we briefly t- touched on kind of, uh, I think a, a time period when you started your first business and our, our listener is primarily an entrepreneur or someone who may want to become an entrepreneur. They're definitely interested in additional stream of income and making more money and kind of growing as a, you know, just being the best version of themselves. So I think your story and, and your, and what you offer uh, is going to add. A, they're both going to add a lot of value to our listener for sure. Let's jump back into your your backstory and talk about some the adversity that you alluded to before we hit record. Yeah, well, uh, you know, I guess it started uh, my upbringing. We we were raised in a very uh, very loving family, but very poor, and we mm-hmm. barely we barely had money to to eat, and we had a roof over our head, but most of the time it leaked. It was, I mean, we just lived in places where, uh, you know, and wake up in the morning in the wintertime, the ice was on the inside of your window, not the outside. Wow. And where, where, where'd you grow up? Is I it- lived in the, the kind of the backwoods of Oklahoma for up until, okay. well, we didn't have electricity until I was about 10. So, wow. um, or, or indoor plumbing. <laughs> so, <laughs> So, uh, and that's pretty hard for some people to comprehend because we've had electricity a long time, but we didn't. 
So I was pretty amazed the first time I, we had an indoor uh, bathroom. Uh, <laughs> it's and it's and it's wild, and I've never you know lived in those conditions, at least not for any extended period of time. And yeah. um, and uh, you know we talk about poverty in the U.S. and I, I don't want to you know th- this can be a touchy subject for sure, but I think the poverty line is a little bit you know right below the poverty line might be a little bit different than what you grew up with or what what you know people in a third world country might might be dealing with so in the u.s in general we're we're pretty pretty blessed uh, yeah so but I, I never knew i was poor i mean sure you know we had fun we you know we, we just had fun as kids and you know sure. went reading in the creeks and you know did kid stuff so that was yeah it was actually looking back on it, it was a great experience and gotcha and my first job was at six years old picking cotton uh, my whole family picked cotton and it was not an easy job and we got paid two cents a pound and cotton doesn't weigh very much. So <laughs> to make a few bucks in a day was a was a hard task. A, especially a child, I, I don't think I ever made it at six years old, ever made it more than a buck in a day. <laughs> uh, so that went on until I was about 12 and we did it in the, in the seasons. And and then uh, I dropped out of high school in the 10th grade, about halfway through, uh, went to work in a gas station, pumping gas, uh, worked there for about two years, got married at uh, 18, had my first child at 19, got my dream job at 20, which was uh, working in a factory on the assembly line, which I thought, you know, that that was my dream job. <laughs> and <clears throat> found out within a few months that wasn't such a dream job <laughs> after all. Uh, but I got invited to join up in a direct sales company and, you know, to get started that company back then you had to have inventory. So it cost me $4,000. A big problem was I had $9 in the bank, no way to get 4,000. Nobody I knew even had 4,000. And I went to 23 banks and loan companies before I finally found the number 23 that loaned it to me. And so I went to work and I didn't know what to do. But the guy that trained me, he trained me in about 30 seconds. He said, your job is talking to people. Hmm. He said, if you talk a lot, you'll learn a lot. If you talk a little, you'll learn a little. I said, how much is a lot? He said, 10 a day. Of course, there's no internet or anything. So I had to go out and meet 10 people a day. And I said, okay, that's what I'll do. So I quit my job at the factory the next day, gave him a week's notice, went out and started talking to 10 a day, which I did for a year. Hmm. Okay. At the end of that year, <clears throat> I had made one sale. Wow. And that was for a five-gallon container of carpet shampoo to somebody that I knew that owned some apartment complexes and was a was the largest builder in uh, in Oklahoma City at the time. And I worked for him during the summer, uh, kind of cleaning up around the construction site and all of that. And I was mm-hmm. pretty handy with that stuff. So mm-hmm. anyway, that was my only customer. So mm-hmm. here I was, the end of the year, standing at my window looking out. This was mm-hmm. a pivotal moment. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what am I going to do? My home had been foreclosed. I had a notice mm-hmm. on the door from the sheriff saying, you got to be out in five days. Mm-hmm. Both of my vehicles had been repoed. All of my furniture had been repoed, except for a few little sticks we had. I had a wife and a child. Mm-hmm. We had no food in the house. And I reached wow. in my pocket and all the money I had to my name was 15 cents. I had a nickel and a dime in my pocket. That was it. Wow. And and I thought, what am I going to do? I thought, well, maybe I'll go back to the factory. Mm-hmm. And I thought about that for about, well, first five seconds. I, I'm, I don't even have a car to get there. The next five or 10 seconds, I'm going, nope, I'm not going back. And so you, I decided you were miserable right then, there. I'm not going back. So yeah. I thought, what am I going to do for food? So I pick up a five-gallon container of carpet shampoo, and I walk almost three miles in the Oklahoma heat to the place that the, the one customer that bought from me six months earlier. Mm-hmm. And I'm soaking wet when I get there. I walk in and set down the container. And he walks out of his office about that time. And he said, hey, Jim. He said, good to see you. And I said, hey, man, I brought, brought you five gallons of carpet shampoo. I figured you're about out. And he said, yeah, we probably are. He told his assistant, cut Jim a check. I'm going, yeah, I got some money. <laughs> I didn't know what I was going to do to, you know, where I'm going to live in a, in a few days. <clears throat> so. Wow. He said, do you have a minute? He said, we'd like to talk to you, my brother and I. So I go into his office and he said, uh, how's your business going? I said, 
Great. He said, we'd like to talk to you about uh, maybe kind of partnering with us in an apartment complex. I'm going, man, I, it's going good, but I don't have the money to invest. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, 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 we're going to invest in you. Now, I was a pretty good carpenter because I, I we built a home in the ninth grade uh, in one okay. of the classes. So I knew all of the trades. And I saved him a lot of money just cleaning up and helping him with different things that I'd done for him. He mm-hmm. said, we think you're pretty sharp, sharp and we're, you're pretty honest and you're talented. And you kind of understand a construction business. He said, we'd like to make you an offer. He said, we want you to build a 52-unit apartment complex and run the whole deal. Build it from ground up. And he said, um, we'll pay you. I said, well, how, how would that work? And he said, we'll pay you $300 a week. As soon as he said that, my mind is going, I'm in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, done. <laughs> he said, we'll furnish you with a vehicle, which I didn't have anymore. And if you want, you can have a three-bedroom furnished apartment. The, the things that I did not have was given to me right then. Wow. And, and I took it on. Was it stressful? Yes. And he, But here's the other thing. He said, there's going to be a big bonus and a possible percentage of ownership for you. So the bonus was if I finished in in uh, 12 months, he said, normally it takes about 14 months for the, this particular type of project. Mm-hmm. If you finish in 12 months, there's a $60,000 bonus for you. But every every day you go past that 12 months, you lose 1000 a day. He said, but every day you finish prior to that 12 months, which is mm-hmm. not likely, but if you do... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's another thousand a day in bonus. Wow. So I took it on. And when I went out there, there was eight buildings. And he gave me a list of contractors. I'm going, well, there's eight buildings here. Instead of using one cement contractor, I'm going to hire eight. Instead of I, using one framing uh-huh. contractor, I'm going to get eight. Instead <laughs> of one roofer, I'm going to get eight. Sure. And long story short, I built it in eight months. Wow. So start, you started all, all eight buildings so, at the same time. And I ended up with 15% ownership in the in the project and wow. future projects with them that we did uh, following that and so, building square houses and different things. So anyway, that that business earned me about a half a million dollars that year. Wow. And the other miracle is that the, one of the executives from the direct sales company showed up uh during that five day period that I had to be out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Spent two hours with me, taught I what taught me what I was doing wrong and what okay. I needed to be doing. Uh, because I'd talked to 3,650 people that year and got a no from everybody except for the one guy. But he taught me a few things and turned me around so fast that that business earned me almost a half a million that year. So I wow. went from 15 cents in my pocket to millionaire in one year. And that, that's how incredible. did that happen? Yeah, I, I don't know. You know, I think if you <laughs> if you're determined and you you don't have a an exit when you make a decision, uh, if you don't plan your exit just in case, um, mm. I think time, fate, and circumstances show up together and say, mm. "Might as well let him have it. He's not going <laughs> to stop." <laughs> yeah, so, I mean that's it's. I mean, for, if nothing else, that's an incredible reminder that for all of us that. You know, I, I'm treating today just like a regular Thursday, and tomorrow will be Friday, and <laughs> yeah. you know, just it's probably not going to be too incredible, right? You don't know, but yeah. just, but um, that's amazing. I mean, just, just that things, uh, miracles, or or however you want to label it, incredible events can happen so quickly, you know, in your life. And so, but and just, to, I mean, you walked, you weren't expecting any of that when you did that three mile walk, you were, you were trying to make one more sale, right? I was desperate. Yeah. I was desperate for money and for food. And, you know, I I have to admit during, I'd set the bucket down about every 50 yards Mm -hmm. because it was heavy. And, and a couple of times I just, I just broke down really. Mm -hmm. One time I'm just crying. I'm going, I, Mm -hmm. What am I doing? You know, yeah. what yeah. if he doesn't buy? And I'm going, no, he's going to. And I pick up the bucket and go again. Nice. And well, yeah, was, another, and they're probably, we could spend a whole episode on, on this, this particular event. I mean, it's in that, that year. But um, the other thing that, that I noticed is that when you, you had showed your carpenter skills and your, your contracting skills and management skills and your honesty, you, you mentioned, um, 
along the way, not knowing where that would lead. So, yeah. you know, to the listener who may be, you know, in a job they don't like as a carpenter or anything else, you never know where these skills that you're building now may may lead you, right? And so it's it it for you it created an incredible opportunity that I mean my point is if you hadn't worked hard and shown those skills before you you wouldn't have been presented that opportunity and you wouldn't yeah. have been able to to do the the construction in in uh, eight um was it ten months twelve eight months, <laughs> right? eight, months. eight months eight eight buildings in eight, eight months that's amazing um so yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, you know you you look at it and you think. Would the average person have gone out and got 3,650 people telling them no and continue? And when I look back at myself, I'm going, were you stupid or what? I mean, <laughs> who would do that? But I just would not give up. And, yeah. and But I look back and that year was a great year for me. I mean, people yeah. ask me today, how do you handle rejection? I said, I don't know. I did that way back then. I don't have to do it anymore. Right. I don't, somebody tells me, no, I don't care. Just move on. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's a, an excellent training uh, environment for sure. And, yeah. Um, so, so walk us through after that, you know, could, I mean, clearly the one year was, was awful. And then the next year things really turned around for you. So what, what happens um, after that? Well, um, the direct sales company that I joined up in, um, the big benefit from that, the company went out of business a few years later. But the trainer in that company was Jim Rome. Mm, uh, mm -hmm. You probably heard of Jim, and yeah. I'm sure some of the listeners have. But yeah. um, uh, Jim, Jim was an unknown, but we mm. became best of friends. Okay. And when that company went out of business, Jim and I got together and formed a business partnership, and I started promoting him. That's how I got in in the business I'm in, mm. and I did such a good job promoting him that uh, it really forced me into speaking and and mm -hmm. getting up in front of audiences and a lot of things that I was uncomfortable doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, but I learned to, I learned to get comfortable at it uh, mm -hmm. quickly. Um, no, that's, that's, I mean, yeah, he, he was, uh, I, I, I just realized I've heard you on other podcasts, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so, okay. So you start promoting him, you joined a business, you created a, a venture with him. Right. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then how did that, how did that go from there? Well, we were we were putting uh, hundreds of thousands of people through events. I think I was the first person ever to sell a ticket to a uh, seminar, uh, mm. the type as we know today, you know, on mm -hmm. personal development and real estate and various things. So uh, I just, I, I don't even know how I came up with it. I just started doing presentations and it worked and I started mm -hmm. training other people. And before long, we had... Uh, we had about 15 offices and we had 20 salespeople in each office, all on straight commission selling tickets. So that was uh, Tony Robbins was one of one of them that worked for me for about almost five years. So uh, kind of helped to groom him a bit. And uh, he looked up to Jim Rohn as his mentor and I was more his coach, boss, you know, I kind of over, would oversee all of the marketing. So mm -hmm. I see. So we, we still stay in touch. So oh, that's that's fantastic. So. Um, and then, and I do, before we get to kind of some of the, the canned questions, um, you know, walk us through kind of how your business and uh, things have looked for you in the last maybe five years or so. What, what do things look like more recently for you? Well, of course, uh, it's shifted a lot about two and a half years ago when, when we had the, the whole COVID thing take place, but I sure. switched pretty quickly online. And yeah. live are coming back now, but done a lot of other live things. I wrote two books during uh, during COVID too. Published those, so um, nice. those just came out. Uh, one called uh, "The Entrepreneur: uh, Why Ninety Percent Fail and How to Avoid the Mistakes That They Make," and the other one's called "Directing the Movies of Your Subconscious Mind." Um, so, yeah, I wrote those two over that period of time, and. Um, did a lot of online events, uh, started volunteering to be on podcasts. So we just keep mm -hmm. your name out there. And sure. now it's all it's all coming back. Yeah. yeah. Fantastic. So before we hit record, you you mentioned to me, uh, we, we were touching on the, how there are six, six elements um, that are central to, you know, the mindset of uh, being becoming successful, if you will. And maybe I'm, you know, you could probably say it in yeah. a better way, but um, let, let's talk about those. Um, well, what, 
You know, I realized that I had these traits uh, about five years ago, I guess. Um, I I took a camera crew around the country and I interviewed 12 mega millionaires. They all had to have started with nothing. They're all in different industries and they all had to be worth at least 200 million. And one was one was a billionaire. And uh, and after about the third interview, I thought, you know, these people all have the same traits in common Hmm. They talk about the same things. In fact, one of them even said, yeah, there's six things that you need if you want. Hmm. And that was the billionaire. And so I stopped. That was the third interview I did. And I stopped and going, do I have those things? And I look back at my life and and I, I thought, I do. Maybe not to the degree that I'm a billionaire, sure. but I still have those. So the traits, they're, they're simple things. Mm-hmm. Uh, not always easy to apply, but simple. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, number one is if you want change in your life, if you want some, something better, if you want to earn more money, if you're an entrepreneur, uh, the first thing you have to have is, is a desire to change. And that's got to be a burning desire, not just a passing thing that, well, one day I'm going to do this. You know, I'm, sure. I'm talking about that burning desire. And I had that in the factory. I had that in the gas station. I had that on the cotton fields. I wanted I wanted something more and I wanted to be the best I could be at whatever I was doing. And I always felt I was the best cotton picker, the best mm-hmm. gas station attendant mm-hmm. and, the, and the best factory. In fact, I was the best factory worker out of 9000 people. They rated me. I did the mm. job of 4.57 people. Wow. So you got to have desire. Sure. But, you know, that's not enough uh, because almost everybody has a desire for more. You could sure. go out on any street corner and ask people, would you like to make more money? And you'd probably get a yes from most everybody. Right. But the next thing you've got to have is you got to make a decision. And mm-hmm. so many people say, well, as soon as I figure out the opportunity to make a million dollars, then I'll become a millionaire. I'll decide to be one. No, that's not the way it works. Mm-hmm. The way it works is you've got to put yourself in that place of being a millionaire or whatever it is you're looking for. I'm just use mm-hmm. that as an example. But sure. you've got to make it a decision that doesn't allow for anything less than that. And, and if you look at just take a, take a whole circle. And we say that's a decision. But most mm-hmm. people leave a little opening somewhere in that circle when they make a decision, and that's their escape route. Mm. They're actually, that's their excuse. That's why it didn't work. Mm. But you can't leave that opening. You've got to go for it. And even if something fails, and I spent a million dollars on a television infomercial, and I knew in three hours one morning that it failed. Wow. Nothing, nothing I could do about it. So I just said, okay, let's move on. Got some good footage. I'll you know, use it someplace else or whatever. But wow. million-dollar footage. But it's still, it's done. It didn't work. Yeah. So, yeah. but man, you've got to make that decision to move forward no matter mm-hmm. what. And you, yes, you hit obstacles, and you will. Sure. Um, and you've got to take action based so on that decision. So, that's, and so many okay. people are getting ready to get going. As soon as I get this done, as soon as I get my business cards, as soon as I get this or that, they're ready to get going, but they're not going to go right now. But, you know, overthinking and over planning things is Mm -hmm. it's it's disguised as it's fear disguised as over planning. That's really Uh, you've got to move. And the the sign of a good entrepreneur, and yes, maybe you have to plan some things out. Maybe you got to raise money. Maybe you got to do this or that. But sure. What action can you take today that's going to move you toward what it is you want to accomplish? That's key. And when you take actions, you're going to hit obstacles. You're going to hit people to tell you no. (laughs) You know, it's just you're going to come face to face with these obstacles. Yeah. And what what I learned is that if you want to accomplish something more than what you already have, You've got to do something more than than who you are. In other words, every life level, every business level, every income level mm-hmm. requires a different you, requires a different mindset. Mm-hmm. You see, it's a different mindset to go buy a Chevy Vega versus mm-hmm. a Lamborghini. Mm-hmm. Um, and but a lot of people, you know, they 
let's say you save up all your money. You're going to go buy yourself a new Corvette. It's going to cost you $75,000. And you go down to the, the, the Chevy dealer and they said, you know, we don't have any Corvettes. In fact, there's none available anywhere in the country. And you've been saving this money and you got it in cash, mm-hmm. ready to buy this Corvette. Mm-hmm. And they said, but tell you what, we can make you a deal. I have seven different cars and seven different colors that I can sell you. So you had a different car each day of the week in a different color for the same price as you're paying for a Corvette. It's called uh, a Chevy Vega <laughs> or whatever they have. I don't know if, they, yeah, if that's yeah. even a Chevy or not. <laughs> and, yeah. And my question is, would you say okay to that? Well, no, because you've saved hard-earned money to buy that Corvette, that car of your dreams. Sure. And you're not going to settle for those others. Absolutely. The question is, why did they make those others? That's for people that don't make decisions. (laughs) And don't take action. People that just give what's handed to them. Sure. People that settle for what they have versus what they want. That's why they make those. Okay. So you've got to have a whatever, a Corvette mindset or a Lamborghini mindset. I'm not talking about money is everything. It's not. Yeah, yeah. No, we're using this as money. Right. And we understand money. Money does matter for sure. But, you know, we're just using this as as one example. Could be could be could be weight loss or getting out of an abusive relationship like you mentioned. Exactly. Um, Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So, okay. Number one is you've got to have a, a deep desire to change. Number two is you've got to make it a decision. It's not just a desire because mm-hmm. everybody's got some desire. Yeah. You've got to make an actual decision that you're going to change. And number three is you're going to take action, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we're so we're halfway there. What's what? What are the well, other? Well, number four is uh, being willing to being willing to feel uncomfortable. Mm. Be being willing to step out of that comfort zone and become somebody different. Become that different you that you're looking to become because if you know if you want to be a millionaire which is just a a term yeah Yeah. you've got to you've got to put yourself in that place and that's uncomfortable for some people in fact it's uncomfortable for most people because they can't see themselves there Mm -hmm. so you've got to be willing to step out of that comfort zone was was it discomfort was it uncomfortable for me that year or that eight months building that that project Absolutely. I don't know if I slept much during that time. I mean, it was hard, especially yeah. in the beginning. Nobody, I mean, yeah. I, I guess I knew that you put the foundation in before you put the roof on, but I never <laughs> built an apartment <laughs> complex. I mean, my God. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, um, that was, uh, it reminds me because I, I did uh, jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu for until the pandemic, really. But, uh, Truth be told, I could go back. It's not an excuse, but, um, but no. One of uh, uh, my biggest takeaway in that in that sort of three year journey, if you will, was that you've got to be the the best uh, jujitsu practitioners are they they get comfortable being uncomfortable and mm-hmm. in, in different positions, different you know different um, maybe points or you know we're in a match, just different different situations um, and. If you're if you're not willing to be uncomfortable, then you're you're just not going to do well in jujitsu. So, so and I, there's yeah. so many lessons that you can apply to to life with just from jujitsu. But um, you now you know there's certainly you don't want to go out too far on a, on a and take too many risks and throw caution entirely to the wind, right? But you do have to push your your boundaries and think differently. Yeah. So so far, all four of these are have nothing to do with. The outside <laughs> world—it's all about yeah. your your mindset and your internal beliefs uh, belief structure. Okay, so you you've got to be willing to get step uncomfortable out of, your comfort zone. Step out of your comfort zone. All right, um, I, I love it. What's number five? Number five is uh, something I learned uh, many years ago, um, and in fact, I was asked in front of a group uh, uh, one time years back. Somebody said, what's the number one thing that you've learned over the years that's been the most beneficial to you over and above everything else? And I said, um, learning to let go. Hmm. Because, you know, we hang on to so much stuff. Now, it's like the the million dollars I spent on an infomercial. 
You know, yeah. that affected me for maybe a few hours. And then I, I decided it's it's done. I can't do anything about it. Let's move on and find something else. I mean, that's no joke. It doesn't matter if you had a hundred million dollars at that point or or one point five million dollars to your to your name. A million yeah. dollars is a lot, it's a lot of money. Yeah, I mean, a lot of money to throw at it, something like yeah. that. But sure. um, but letting go comes, you know, we spend so much of our time trying to control things over which we have no control. So uh, that's that's stress and anxiety is really what that is. So mm-hmm. if you learn to let go of the things over which you have no control, but learning to let go allows the decision that you've made and the actions you take, it allows everything to unfold. Because when you're so focused on, let's say, a problem, you're mm-hmm. blinded by the solution. You don't see the mm-hmm. solution. You see, when you make mm-hmm. a decision to do a certain thing, the opportunities show up in your view. If you haven't decided to be a millionaire, the opportunity is not going to show up for you because mm-hmm. you're not going to be looking for it. It's not going to be in your view. Mm-hmm. So uh, so letting go of, of obstacles, of things you can't control, of people you can't control, of, you know, things that sure. didn't work out the right way. Let yeah. go and move on, man, because yeah. it leaves you wide open to accomplish what you want. Sure. Um, no. I mean, I learned yeah. that. I look back and I'm, I mean, that that trip three miles <laughs> and then coming back home from that and telling my wife, we got 300 bucks a week. We got a three bedroom apartment and we yeah, got a vehicle. Got a vehicle, right. I mean, <laughs> and, and I got money in my pocket for some food. So all of that happened. And <clears throat> was it uncomfortable? Absolutely. Sure. Uh, so, but you got to be willing to let go of that stuff. And uh, because it's not happening to you now, I had a woman in a workshop one time. She said, I can't be successful ever because of my father. And I said, well, what about your father? She said, well, he verbally abused me. And he always told me I'd never amount to anything, never measure mm-hmm. up to my siblings, all that. And she said, so I can never be successful. Mm-hmm. She said, that's wearing on me all the time. And I said, oh, well, where's your father now? She said, uh, well, he, de- he died 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. I said, well, who's abusing you now? Mm-hmm. She said, I don't understand the question. I said, well, he's not here. Who's abusing mm-hmm. you? She mm-hmm. said, I still don't understand it. I said, well, you think about it for a while. The third time back, she said, you mean I'm abusing me? Mm-hmm. I said, what do you think? She said, I don't know. Fourth time back, I walked up in front of her and didn't say anything. She said, oh, my God. She said, I'm keeping his <laughs> legacy alive. She said, wow. I'm the one abusing me. I'm allowing what he did to me to continue through my life, and I might pass it on to my kids. Hmm. And I said, well, you got a perfect opportunity here to cut the pain of chain or chain of pain and, hmm. and to mm-hmm. move past that. Hmm. And That's I mean, really the good. look on her face when she discovered that was just priceless. Um, but that's what yeah. a lot of us do. We hang on to that sure. stuff that's not happening to you now. Let's move yeah. on. And if it is happening to you now, there's always a way out. And and we may, you know, I know I get outcome based, you know, so if you, you know, if, if your commercial had done well, then you'd be happy, right? And if it, if it didn't do well, then you're not. And, you know, there's a little bit of that you, you're never going to completely leave behind, but, but uh, can't, you don't there's have access to happen. Go ahead. So I was going to say the difference between happiness and pleasure. <laughs> okay. What, what is it? Well, happiness is is inside. It's something that you mm-hmm. carry with you all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cover up our happiness with the things that make us unhappy, and we hang on to those. And once you start letting go of the things that make you unhappy, you'll be happy. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. a successful infomercial or a new boat or a new car is not mm-hmm. going to make you happy. Uh, yeah, that's, that's pleasure. True. That's pleasure. That's... Nothing wrong with it. It's pleasure. Right. A difference. Yeah. Well, and it's it's very easy to beat yourself up too when you, once you have access to the to the results that if something didn't go so well, right? It, yeah. You know, uh, but you made the right decision at that time with the information you had. So, yeah. um, okay. So, so what's number six? Okay, this is the this is the best one of all. Um, and, and if you really get this, you can pretty much have what you want in your life. Mm-hmm. So. Years back, it's probably been 30 some years ago. And uh, <clears throat> a good friend of mine, he and I used to read the same books and then we would get on the phone and discuss them. Mm-hmm. 
And we had just got through reading some, he, he said, read chapter 80 or page 89 or something. I read it and then we got on the phone to discuss it. At the end of our conversation, <clears throat> he said, Jim, what do you think the word resourceful means? And I said, never thought about it, man. I said, I guess maybe using your imagination or being more productive. I said, I don't know. Never, why? He said, oh, it's just an interesting word. I said, okay, I guess so. And we hung up. Later, I left my office driving home, and I couldn't quit thinking about the word. Mm. It was like somebody saying, don't think about a pink elephant. All you can think about is right. a pink elephant, you know? Mm -hmm. So I get home, and of course, we didn't have internet uh, back then. So mm -hmm. I go in, in the house. First thing I do is go to the dictionary, open yeah. up my big, thick dictionary, and look mm -hmm. up the word resourceful. <clears throat> and it was defined as, once again, full of source. Resourceful. Mm -hmm. I thought, hmm, that's interesting, depending on what you think source or, yeah, source is. Mm -hmm. So I thought, I'm going to look up source. So I looked up that word, and it, it was defined as where all things originate. Not some things, but all things. And mm -hmm. I thought, wow, that's pretty powerful, too, depending on what you think source is. Mm -hmm. And I continued for about a year and a half. Every time I'd go into a bookstore or library, I'd look up, try to find origin of words for another definition of source. And I was, I was obsessed with it. A little, little obsessed. <laughs> yeah. And so I was in England in a small town, Chester, and I was walking down the street one day waiting for my event to take place. And I see this sign on the back door of a building that said antique books. And I thought, oh, I love old books. <laughs> you know, so I walk in the back door. Here's a dictionary about this thick and all tattered and torn. And, and it said, do not open. And I thought that meant for the people in the UK, not for me. So I decided <laughs> right. I'm going to open yeah. this. But I was prepared to buy it, I think. I don't know what the, <laughs> the price was. But I opened to the sources very, or to the S's very uh, carefully. Mm -hmm. And I looked up the word source. Saw some of the things, same things I'd seen before, but one definition popped out at me. It said, source, love. I went, wow, once again, full of love. I thought, how does that relate to our lives? And I, I stood there and, and, I, and I put this whole event together in my mind, standing there in front of this hmm. book. And I thought, well, when you, when you decide something, when you decide you're going to accomplish something, you're going to write your own book, you're going to do a certain thing, you're going to accomplish something in your life, you fall in love with it. Mm. That's what creates the passion to continue to move forward. Mm. And I thought, that's it. We set a goal, we decide we're going to do something, we fall in love with it. Then I thought, well, wait a minute, there's a flaw in that. If all things originate in love, where does fear come from? Because mm. mm -hmm. you hear people say that the two emotions you're going to experience in life is love and fear. Mm -hmm. So where does fear come sure. from? I, and I thought about that for a moment because I thought it was a flaw in, in my thinking or in the definition. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, I get it. We fall in love with fear. <laughs> we create it ourselves. And we have a passion for keeping it alive. <laughs> and that's how we live our lives in fear. And so, so the question is, are you honoring that fear? Or are you honoring what you love in your life? Hmm. It's a choice. No sure. judgment. Yeah. You can live in fear if you want to. Because <laughs> so, all, all fear is created in your mind. People so no, think, no, no matter what real. you're going to. So, so no matter what you're going to be loving something. Right. Yeah. And so whether and, and, and somebody challenged me once on that, and they said, well, if all fears is in your imagination, how about if a, a if a bear or a lion is chasing you through the woods? Mm -hmm. Isn't that real sure. fear? I said, no, nope, it's made up. You're making up in your mind what's going to happen if that bear catches you. Hmm. <laughs> so it's still in your imagination. Now I might run too, but <laughs> but still we're making up what's going to happen. I mean, a bear may lick you. You know who knows? Sure. You won't know until right. he catches you. But uh, so would but you still say we that, make it up? Would but you we're say, making up. You know what's going to happen if I make that next sales call? What if they tell yeah. me no? What's what's right. going to happen if I if I see this woman and I want to 
ask her out on a date and yeah. and I'm afraid she's going to say no or some guy right. that, you know. It, right. Well, oh, what comes yeah. to mind, yeah, it's yeah. like well, the, the, the saying of uh, it, it's substituting even if instead of what if. So instead of walking around <laughs> saying, what if this happens? What if this happens? What if this happens? No, you say even if. Even mm-hmm. if she says no, even if I yeah. don't get the job, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be okay. Just um, move forward with what you want to do. Yeah. Sure. So would you say there's no place for fear at all? Um, <clears throat> well, I, I'd say there's probably a, a healthy place mm-hmm. for some fears. You know, I sure. mean, you don't want to, you don't want to put your hand in a flame or something. Or, but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gotcha. No, that's really interesting. I I had never heard that explained like that. The resourceful to source, um, to love source equals love, and then love is what creates that passion, which really kind of starts the process all over again. If you think of it that way, for mm-hmm. steps one through six, right? So, um, yeah. And I heard, I was in uh, Toronto uh, uh, about uh, after I discovered this about a probably a year later. And a friend and I, we were presenting a seminar there and we had taken a walk and we're out maybe a two or three miles. And he looked at his watch and he said, man, we got to get back. He said, uh, we're, we're going to cut it close. And I said, well, the good things they can't start without us because we're, <laughs> we're the event. Right. Right. So we were hoping it pretty good. I'm six, four. So I was walking pretty big steps and he was a tall guy too. And, and suddenly I felt some, this presence right here over my shoulder. And, and acts like I could, I could smell the guy, uh, and 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 he was in step with me, and was just right here. I mean, just and he kept mumbling some things, and I didn't, you know. And I was just getting ready to turn around and say, "Hey, buddy, would you back off a little bit." Sure. And but just before I turned around, he said, uh, "And God created man," and. There, that was his voice. And then another voice, which was came from him as well, but a mm-hmm. different voice. He said, mm-hmm. well, I know that. He said, yeah, but then God created a woman. He said, well, I know that too. He was having a conversation with himself. And he says, <laughs> but then God created fruit. He said, the other voice said, fruit? What does that have to do with anything? He said, well, inside the fruit, there's a seed. And he said, if you mm-hmm. plant it, it will grow. Mm-hmm. If you don't, it won't. So, and then he turned and went the other direction. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I told my friend, I said, I'm going to go follow him, see what the rest of this <laughs> seminar is. Right. <laughs> I didn't, but, uh, but the point is, your dreams and goals and things that you mm-hmm. want to accomplish, mm-hmm. they're like that seed. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, your mind creates the seed and you have to mm-hmm. plant it in a decision mm-hmm. to get it to grow. Then you gotta got to nurture it to keep the weeds out, just like in your garden. You gotta keep the weeds away. Mm-hmm. And you gotta take the negativity that doesn't support what it is you want. You gotta mm-hmm. make sure the actions you're taking are moving you in the direction you want to go, not away mm-hmm. from it. I love and, it. That's awesome. And that's a that's a, a level of self-observation, a le- one level above self-awareness is self-observation watching yourself do things instead mm-hmm. of just being aware that you've got a problem and circling out, looking out for a solution, but being, being more observant of yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you do something that, that, you know, it's like my brother-in-law once called me and he was ranting and I said, Patrick, what's wrong? He said, I'm late for an appointment. I'm in Los Angeles. I'm stuck in traffic. It's moving like at a walking pace. And he said, I've mm-hmm. got to be there on time. And I said, Patrick, I says, uh, lighten up a little bit. And he said, no, man. He said, I got to get there. And I mm-hmm. said, where are you right now? Mm-hmm. He said, I'm in the damn traffic. And I said, sounds like you're part of the problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he paused for a minute. He goes, God, I never thought about that. <laughs> so, you know, we've yeah, got to lighten up. Yeah. <laughs> it, it turns out the traffic took off and, and he made his appointment on time. But <laughs> I love it. So are there things that, that you do, I mean, to kind of help yourself be more observant of yourself? Or how, how do we implement that on a kind of day-to-day basis? Uh, I, I'd say day-to-day, moment-to-moment, uh, mm-hmm. it's 
how you develop the habits you, that you have right now mm -hmm. uh, was developed over a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And to redevelop those habits, uh, different mm -hmm. habits, Mm -hmm. um, it's it's letting go of some of the old habits um, mm -hmm. and just making sure that you're moving in the direction you want to go and observing mm -hmm. yourself if you're not and sure. and making choices that take you where you want to go or get, uh, yeah. feed the life that you want to live. And yeah. that becomes a habit. And and I can say that it has become a habit for me. I mm -hmm. just It's hard to get me upset. It's hard to bother me. <laughs> if something doesn't work, it's like an, oh, well, let's move on. And, <laughs> I love it. You know, so. Yeah. I imagine you sleep pretty well at night too. Um, I do. I, I sleep pretty well. <laughs> so I do have some rapid fire questions as we start to, to wrap sure. up here. Sure. Um, what's one thing that people misunderstand about you, Jim? Uh, probably, uh, I don't think they understand how, how simple I am. Hmm. Uh, I mean, I talk about sometimes some complex things, but uh, mm -hmm. I live a life pretty simple. And um, I mean, I've got nice things and nice homes and stuff, but yet, uh, you know, I don't live a life around my business. I live a life, my business is my business and I live another life. Of, you know, mm -hmm. I like to go fishing mm -hmm. and do normal things that people do. Gotcha. That's good. Um, what's one of your biggest failures or regrets? Anything that you'd uh, like to do over? Hmm like to do over wow i'd say you know i, I i've been married uh, this is my second time uh, we've been married 40 years coming up in august uh my first marriage i had two children and mm -hmm. probably if i had it to do over i would i, I would have spent more time with them mm, uh, gotcha but they were they lived with their mom and i saw them you know on weekends and things like that but i, I think uh that may be something I would 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 love to have sure. been able to do. Got it. Um, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, I'm not saying you don't have $10 million, but if somebody wrote you a check for $10 million for anything, no strings attached, what would you do with it? Wow. Uh, I might give, you know, half of that to charity uh, to stop yeah. uh, child trafficking. Mm. That would be that. That would be one thing. Um, I, I'm I'm not sure. I mean, I um, I have pretty much everything I want, so I I don't know. Sure. Um, uh -huh. Maybe I'd give it all That's to charity. Good, yeah, there you go. It's a good good answer. Um, as far as your kind of your business today, I know we touched on it already. What's one challenge that you're facing in in your professional life or your business right now? Um, I don't feel like I have challenges, but, but I think probably, maybe, maybe I do. Maybe the biggest thing would be, uh, the, the understanding or the willingness to understand technology and mm. where it's all going. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. I, I, I so love the eighties when mm. we didn't, we didn't have cell phones or computers or all that. We had real appointments and you know, but yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's probably my biggest challenge is is technology. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. What is a a book or two, and it it can be one of yours, a book or two that you'd recommend for my audience, the entrepreneur well, out there. If you want to if you want to read the best book you'll ever read, most likely. If not, it'll be in your top five. Uh, it's my book called Rings of Truth, which is my story, uh, written in 1997. Um, nice. When I when I put it out. Uh, uh, started selling it on the internet when the internet was just a, in its beginnings. Mm -hmm. um, I sold you know tens of thousands of copies, and my my guarantee was if this is not either your number one book you've ever read or at least in your top five, uh, you paid twenty five dollars for it. I'll refund you fifty, and you keep the book. Hmm. That's and I never got a refund, <laughs> <laughs> but I got thousands and thousands of letters through the mail, notes and postcards and stuff about what they got nice. out of the book. So it's a pretty awesome book. That's great. I'm going to have to check it out. Um, I've I heard of it before now that I'm looking at it. I, I definitely need to read that one. Um, I'll send you a copy. Perfect. Um, let's see. What about, I guess, other podcasts or where, where do you, uh, where do you get your kind of your information? 
social media news podcasts. Is there anyone else that you, uh, any source, if you will, that you, you follow every day kind of thing for business or no. for life? No, I, I, I've never really thought of that. I've had a mentor, uh, uh-huh. probably been a lot of people that didn't look at him as mentors, just like Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. probably were both mentors to each other in a sense. Mm-hmm. But looking back, I, I, uh, he probably was a mentor because I sure. learned a lot from being around him and his style yeah. and all of that. Um, but, um, I've always liked that approach myself where it's less formal and it's, you know, yeah. it's a little more organic as far mm-hmm. as just learning from each other instead of, hi, well, will a, you be my mentor? <laughs> yeah. And I, I'm a, I'm a thinker. I, I contemplate, uh, yeah. I create my stuff and I can uh, tell that, <laughs> you know, I do have one, one mentor and one source and I guess, you know, Ideas yeah. come to me, and I take those and try to make them bigger and formulate sure. them for where people can utilize them. But well, I've, I've never yeah. been a seminar goer. I'm not a you know mm-hmm. I don't listen to audios or any of that. I don't watch. I've never watched a podcast. Not even my gotcha. own. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's I mean because you mentioned having the the one idea when you were by the pool uh, many years ago, right? And the, the thing yeah. I thought of was you were by the pool. I mean, and meaning you created space to have that that reflection and that idea to move, to propel your, your, to, to then do the six steps, I guess. Right. But yeah. to, to take action. But if you, I think in, in today's environment, today's world, we just, we're not intentional about creating that mental space to even process what's going on. So many of mm-hmm. us are just so busy and just, so we're missing out on, there's a big opportunity cost there. Um, and that's one, one thing I've taken among many from your story is that you seem to create space and uh, allow yourself to reflect. And I would imagine that had a lot to do with, you know, you uh, coming up with these, all, all these successful ideas and being able to implement things. What what would you say to that? I, well, I'd say it's absolutely true. I mean, yesterday I decided to go fishing and uh, took one of my sons and went fishing. And, and but when I get home, uh, my cell phone had all kinds of text on it. My computer had all kinds of emails. And some mm-hmm. people go, where? I had two or three that goes, where are you? How come you're not getting back with me? <laughs> so when I did get back, I, was, I went fishing. Yeah, you know? that's kind of you the know, point, it, right? <laughs> it, you, you can't think of business when you're fishing. I'm out there in a the kayak. We're kayak fishing. And you, can, you right. can't think about business out there on a lake like that. It's uh, sure. So it opens you up and, and you know, yeah, the flow of ideas, it, it, you know. And I and I don't book my calendar for appointments out past ten days. Hmm. Uh, I mean, for an event like you know coming on your podcast or event, sure. I'll put it on calendar, but not sure, not, not the day to day kind of. Yeah, got it. That's really good. That's sounds like you've reached a, a very kind of you know have a lot of freedom mentally and and with your day to day schedule. So that's that's awesome. Um, what's one thing that you that we haven't touched on that you'd like to touch on? Anything you want to cover? Well, <clears throat> not not really, but uh, you know the self observation thing. Uh, I just <clears throat> want want to kind of yeah. restate that because uh, you know think of it in terms of you pull up to a red light and it'll have a sign that says right turn on red after stop. Mm-hmm. The question I would have for people is, would you would you dare drive through that and not stop before you check both directions? Just pull up to red light, just going through it. And most people will say, well, no. Well, why right. not? You might have an accident. Yeah. You might, well, you might not. Sure. You might just go on through it. Nobody's going to hit you. You might do it five times. But mm-hmm. eventually, somebody's going to hit you. Sure. And if you look at your life that way, you know, we feel that stop we feel that inside like what should i do here well the big question is if you're right turn on red after stop and you look both directions and ask yourself if i go this direction what's going to happen if i go this direction what's going to happen and then choose the one that's going to take you where you want to go instead of going in the one that you know you shouldn't be taking Mm -hmm. um because if you do you'll end up in an accident or end up not getting what you want in life. And so many people choose the wrong direction. They honor the wrong thing. Uh, Honor yourself. Um, My kids said the other day, they said, who do you think is, or one of my kids, he said, who do you think is the most important person on this planet? And I said, 
I am. <laughs> and I said, to me, I'm the most important person. And to you, you should be the most important person. Because if you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of others. Yeah. And and it also, you, you mentioned letting go of the things you can't control. Well, you really can't control anybody else. <laughs> no, right? definitely not. Uh, so <laughs> You'd like to sometimes, but you can't. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, no, that's really good. That's that's fantastic. So, well, Jim Britt, um, where can people reach out to you? Where can we find you online? Uh, well, if you go to jimbritt.com, that's with two T's, B-R-I-T-T, jimbritt.com. If you want a, a great program that, that will help you to reprogram your subconscious regarding your relationship with money, which most people have a bad mm-hmm. one, go to crackingtherichcode.com. Mm. Uh, you can reach me there. And and uh, if you'd like to become a co-author in one of our books, that uh, we're in our 11th volume. of, We already have 10 number one international bestsellers. If you'd like to be considered as a co-author in there, if you're a coach, speaker, author, entrepreneur, um, go to becomeacoauthor.com and you'll see an overview of that and a little thing you can fill out and set an appointment with me and we can discuss whether or not you're, you're a fit for, for the book series. But it's it's a great, uh, it's endorsed by Tony Robbins. Uh, uh, Kevin Harrington from the TV show Shark Tank is is uh, involved with it uh, with mm-hmm. me. Your picture's on the cover of the book, but along with mine, Tony and Kevin. Uh, so pretty, pretty cool what we put yeah, together. Yeah, it's really cool. Plus it has a mastermind, monthly mastermind that goes along with it that we work with our co-authors. Nice. That's awesome. Well, that's fantastic, Jim. We've covered a, a lot of ground. Uh, you know, we, uh, not going to rehash everything, but we, we <laughs> went through your, your, uh, your upbringing that was, you know, didn't come from much, uh, you know, financially. Um, not too many resources growing up. And then just the incredible, the, the two year span there where, you know, you didn't, didn't really, uh, I think you sold, um, made two sales, right. In the 12 months, something like that. And uh, no, one. yeah, <laughs> only one, you, you did the second one, right? Yeah. Um, well, I did make the yeah. second year. You're right. I did. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then, uh, that, the uh, dramatic turnaround and just, but I mean, this is really good stuff. There's so much I could, I could uh, regurgitate here, but the six steps of desire, the number two decision, number three, take action. Number four, being willing to feel uncomfortable. Number five, letting go of things you can't control. And number six is um, be resourceful, which is really about, um, you know, finding the source, which is love. Right. So, um, and and be careful about what you focus on or what you do love, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, be intentional about that. So, man, this has been awesome. Jim Britt, thank you so much. I really appreciate you uh, taking the time today. So thank yeah, you so my much. Pleasure, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And to the listener out there, we thank you very much for spending your most valuable resource with us. And that is your time. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, inspiring stories of mental, physical, and financial transformation. Available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.